Hello and welcome to another episode of The Long Finish. I am your host, Tug Coker, and I'm here as always with my wife and co-host, Catherine Weil Coker. How are you doing tonight, Catherine? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm great. It's Friday night. More taping. TGIF. TG. So IF. When you were younger, like in middle school, were you always so excited for TJF? Remember the lineup on Friday nights? I don't remember the exact lineup, but I think if I if I can recall, it was Full House. Definitely. It was Family Matters. Was it Perfect Strangers in there? I don't know. Later, it was Boy Meets World, right? Uh, I Which don't know. I really I like that one. Wow, you did like Sir. that one? Yeah, I did. I also want to say Step by Step was in oh, there. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Man, this is dating ourselves. For all the youngsters out there. The Jasper Sortoons of the world out there. Sorry, Jasper. But that was good TV. I mean, well, when you're 13, we have different rating systems. Well, what I think was interesting is that you're talking about Friday night. Like, I don't think there's... I think TV is now given up on Friday night. Like, it's all reruns or Dateline. <laughs> Sorry, Chris, whatever your name is on Dateline. But when we were kids, like, Friday night was a, felt like a big deal. Like, there was real shows going on Friday nights. There was, like, a lot of times, come home, it would be, like, Friday night pizza night and get to watch a few shows. I don't know about your house, but my house, TV was very regulated. There was like a certain limited amount you were allowed to watch during a week, but Friday night was a little bit looser. Like we could watch a show or two. And now the long finish, the podcasts is the TGIF for this generation. Thank you everybody for listening on your Friday nights, which you're probably not doing. You're probably listening to this on Tuesdays, Wednesdays. Well, I was thinking about that. Like podcasts are mostly on commutes, right? When people have or time to kill in their car or when they're doing like chores around their house or something. Probably not for their date night. Although you and I listened to a podcast together last night in the car on as part of our date night. And that was fun. And not only that, we create a podcast on our date night. Yeah. So it's a different vibe. It is a totally different vibe. I will give you this. You and I work hard to um, do some show or screen regulation on our two kids. Absolutely. I'm it all about Two shows in the morning, and that's basically just because we need that to. Uh, and those are twenty-five minute shows. Gives so us like time to sleep. One hour max. One, yeah, one hour shows. Luckily, our youngest, or fifteen-month-old, doesn't really even care. He like looks at the screen for about a minute and doesn't. As long doesn't as care. there's not a song. If there's a song on, then he's. This dancing. kid loves music. He is getting down. We need to put a video on the long finish Instagram with his like right arm swing. It's the cutest. Straight bebop move. It's so cute. Great move. And the way he like bends his knees, you know, he's just getting into it. He definitely has rhythm. He has my rhythm and not yours, unfortunately. I don't think what I have is called rhythm. Yeah, that's correct. I, don't, I, don't, I said unfortunately, but I mean fortunately. Uh, I've got a feeling. But I it, got a feeling. But it's not bum, rhythm. Bum. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're just like, you're just dancing off an itch. Yeah, yeah. it feels good. <laughs> yeah. It looks good to me. Hey, everybody. Thanks for uh, coming in to The Long Finish. It's episode 22, and we appreciate you spending some time with us on your commute, as Catherine said, or if you happen to make a date night out of it, which would be amazing, just like we do it, enjoying a bottle of wine on the weekend. Really cool bottle of wine tonight. Catherine, do you want to give a little introduction to the wine we're drinking? The producer is Nestorek. The name of the wine is Youngster. It's vintage 2019. Yes. It's one of the first 2019s of anything I've tasted. And it's a blend of Zweigelt, Cabernet Sauvignon, and Dornfelder. It's a red wine. It's from Moravia in the Czech Republic. Super cool. And on the label it says, say no more. Indeed, we need not. 
super fun wine and we chilled this red wine in the fridge so it's super refreshing a crazy dark color can't wait to talk about it yeah i'm excited too i mean something that we wanted to talk about tonight was just you know just a little general introduction on how to dabble in the world of for lack of a better term unknown or new frontier wine areas yeah off the beaten path yeah and and how you can go about trying to find something and discover something that's super cool in those new frontiers speaking of new frontiers Catherine, let me find the segue for that we have no new frontiers. All we have is a retread of old frontiers, and that is the regression of our kids and their sleep habits. I will say Mercury is in retrograde. I, yes, I do follow this. I need excuses. That must be it. That's why the kids aren't sleeping. Mercury is in retrograde until, I believe, early March. Been a tough week for us. Sleeping uh, has been at a premium. Let's recap tonight because we can talk about last night and what a debacle that was. Tonight was lovely. You were not here. Yeah, that, it was perfect. I'm not saying that was the lovely last, part. Last, last week I said a 10, a perfect 10 night to me was um, they put themselves to bed and they make me an old-fashioned before they go. The real 10 is the fact that I'm probably out with a friend having a, a meeting slash cocktail and not a part of nighttime at well, all. Well, I know you're saying that is a funny thing, but if you were gone for nighttime for seven nights out of the week, you'd be sad. Really sad. No, I'd be really sad. But anyway, I'm sure you had an enjoyable experience tonight. And at home, it was great. My mom came in town today. um, And so she came over around four and we just played and read books and hung around and then ordered in some fish and chips, which is what mom really wanted to have. And she had it last time she was here and she loved it. And we did that again and it was fun. And kids went to bed easy and we're happy. It was a great night. And last night was great to start because you and I went to see a play, which we'll talk about later. So we brought our good friend Jasper in to watch our kids while we went to see the play. And then we came home and basically it was World War Three. It was so bad. The baby was just like, I'm up. I've never seen you wave the white flag like that. Like, I, I can't do this anymore, guys. Get out of this room. At one point you were sleeping in the three-year-old's bed. I was like, I don't care where I am. I'm going to sleep. If you guys are safe, it's cool. You were sleeping in the three-year-old's bed while the three-year-old, the 15-month-old, old and myself were just sitting hanging out around midnight in the living room just playing it was like a full-on romper room and our three-year-old bow was like i don't want to go to sleep i was more than willing to just let them cry that's how tired i was i was just like i I can't i don't know my body not gonna move anymore we gotta go fast forward a few minutes you did move you migrated into your own bed Bo, the three-year-old did move into our bed where did dad sleep on the couch again good thing we got a new couch a couple years ago that you can actually fit on, yeah it's a very our old couch. it's a very comfy couch for sleeping i we'll love love seats so much and it would be so cute in our place but it would make those nights pretty impossible well as my second bed i'm very grateful that we got a nice we splurged on a nice bed or should i say bed nice slash couch <laughs> yeah that's how i'm treating it that's how i'm treating it bunk beds are so much a bunk bed what, what are your thoughts on bunk beds I mean, as soon as they're of age, absolutely. 100%. Yeah. I had a bunk bed when I... Look, I was the only boy, but in my room, I had a bunk bed. I loved it. So fun. I think, like, you're supposed to wait till they're six or something, but, you know, if he's big enough when he's five, that'll be great. And Quinn will be three. It'll be perfect. Did Quinn you will to, be on the bottom. Did you ever go to camp and have a bunk bed? Yeah. If you had a choice, first, first draft pick, top bunk or bottom bunk? If I had the first choice, I'd be on the bottom. I think I agree. Just because I can't I, remember actually. I liked being able to get out and go to the bathroom that's, and not having to go down the stairs. That's the thing. I think when I went to college, I, my freshman year, I went to William and Mary, and we had bunk beds. 
and my roommate, my freshman roommate from Colorado, Pete Fisher, whose dad was the general manager of the Broadmoor. He was the top guy. I was on the bottom my freshman year too, Carrie Laurent. <laughs> she is now a dentist in Sonoma and has a beautiful family and she was on the top bunk. I was on the bottom. So Carrie and Pete, if you're listening to the show, let's reminisce. Yeah, about thanks our for letting us have the bottom bunks. Freshman dorms, thanks for having us the bottom bunks. What does that say about us? Are we scaredy cats? I don't know. I think it's because we, like you said, just easy access to the restroom. Tonight's performance, you said, pretty close to like at eight or nine, right? Eight. It was a great night. Tough week overall, but nice to end the week with a solid night. Hopefully, when we turn this, the, the microphones off, they will go to sleep. That's the problem. Like as soon as we shut it down, they wake up. Mom it, and dad are awake and they're doing something. Yeah, they know they're broad- cool broadcasting to the world. We we'll give go them a second. See what it is. Yep. Well, let's get to the wine. Let's go ahead and recap the wine that we're drinking tonight. So this is the producer is Milan Nesterek. He's in the Czech Republic, which if you didn't know, now you know. There's wine from the Czech Republic, and he's, you don't know now you know. I was waiting for that. I set you up, babe. Thank you. And Milan's father planted eight hectares in 2001 so it's a relatively new winery but moravia is the region that it's in which is 96 percent of the wine in czech republic it's kind of on the um it's the eastern half of the czech republic so think of europe imagine germany and then sort of below that austria and next to that poland and right above Austria and Poland is the Czech Republic. The capital is Prague, which many have heard of and we once went to. That's on the other side. Moravia is on the, the eastern, eastern side. side. Winemaking side. Okay, anyway, just to give a little visual of where we are. So Milan Nestrick, pretty cool winery here. Organic, no herbicides, native yeast, unfined, unfiltered, and no sulfur. So this is a well-farmed natural wine. And these are 19-year-old vines of Zweigelt, which is a grape that's native to Germany. Dornfelder, a really dark-skinned black grape native to Germany, which is giving it this insane color that it is. It's like ink with a tiny purple rim. And when you when you pour it, these magenta bubbles come up. It's beautiful color. And then there's a little Cabernet Sauvignon in here as well, which I don't know about you, but I would probably never guess that. This is a Nouveau style. So it was harvested in 2019. That means pretty recently and then fermented in stainless steel it fermented for two months and then i think pretty much straight into bottle and now here it is in our glasses here so it's a fresh young wine we did an episode around thanksgiving i believe about beaujolais and Beaujolais Nouveau, I would say this is a Nouveau style as well. The style being a wine that's just meant to be drunk young, that is not for aging, that is just young and fresh. And this wine is aptly named Youngster. So cute. And he has Youngster Red, Youngster Rosé. Super fun. Yes, if you want to go back and listen to episode nine of the podcast, we talk about Beaujolais Nouveau and the and the Nouveau style. So you can go back and listen to that as a refresher to kind of understand what the Nouveau style is like. And you can taste that in the wine. It just feels like a younger wine. But I will say this. Neither one of us had tasted this wine before we opened it tonight on the podcast. This is the first. We're tasting this and thinking about this wine, contemplating this wine live on the air. And when I first tasted this wine, I thought it was a little closed off. And the more it gets some air into it, it's becoming 
feeling much more enjoyable, very gluggable. I'm really starting to appreciate this wine a lot. I think it's cool. It's opening up so much. It was just like, yeah, like you said, a little bit tight at the beginning, but now it feels like nuanced and there's more herbal notes and more like dirty notes, but it's still a clean, juicy, juicy red. I think some of that fruit is starting to come out too, which is nice. The shining star of this wine especially when you first open it, is the color of the wine because it is so dark. It is so inky and it does have this sort of purplish rim because you see the, the, the brightness of the purple on the edges and it's just so dark in the, in the center. It's really something special when you're looking at the, the color of the wine. So Milan is kind of a star winemaker in the Czech Republic. He studied viticulture in college and he farms the vineyards meticulously and makes the wine, like I said, naturally without anything with the help of its wife Bazena and his younger sister Lenka. So it's really a family affair. And their website is beautiful and kind of gives the story of their land and how they care for it and the pride that they have in it. And their Instagram is so bright and full of who they are and personal and feels like just a snapshot inside their relationship and their joy in making wine. So again, I love that sort of getting that sense of like, here's the, what we're presenting to the world on our website. And like, here's kind of who we really are. Um, and these people just seem so fun. And the wine, the label is so fun and playful. The wine is just delicious, but not so serious. And we're drinking wine from the Czech Republic. It's so cool. It's a family affair. I love family affairs. There's two songs I got in tonight. I'm going to get one more in because things happen in threes. What's the alcohol ABV percentage on this? Probably it low, right? It is low. Yeah. yeah. It's 11.5%. Nice. Yeah. And I love that you said that we're drinking something that is new that we haven't tried before that we didn't know the producer. I actually bought this wine, never having tried it before, because I'd heard about it. From whom? I'd heard about it from um, Zaytuna Kusta, our general manager. And then I saw some information online coming up about it. And I was curious and there was not very much available. And so I said, I'll take a gamble on this and snatch it up. I'm curious. I don't always do that, but sometimes I think it's fun. It's just like going into a wine store and buying something that you don't know but you know a little bit about it or someone turns you onto it and you're like oh, let me take that risk well, sounds fun two things i think they're helping you. you you get a recommendation from a person you trust well yeah absolutely v- very important but two you also know the importer and respect the importer which is something we talked about in the past which is when you buy the wine turn the wine bottle around and look at the importer of the wine and say do i like this a lot like how can i find more wines from the person who's bringing this wine in and you you trust and respect the person that bring that brings this wine in. I think that's so important and I would also add on that the specific distributor and sales rep that I have who knows me and knows my palate and knows the import book. Sometimes I can say to that person, "Hey, would I like this for real?" and I know they'll give me a genuine honest answer and they're not going to just be like, "Yes, just trying to make a sale." I love that. When I can really trust that person and be like, okay, is this too natty for me? Will I like it? And they're like, no, it's clean. You'll like it. You know, that's great. And I have that relationship with a number of people. Some distributors that will email me something and like be, hey, you really got to buy this. You got to do it. I don't have hardly any of it. There's no way for you to ever sample it. Just do it. And I do it. If I don't trust that person, most times I'll be like, I'll wait and see. I'll phone a friend. Who is distributing this one? This is distributed by Amy Atwood here in 
California and my sales rep is Courtney Walsh, but the importer is Jenny and Francois. Those are all amazing names in the wine industry. So yeah, of course you're like, okay, I'll take a shot on this. But I think that's interesting, right? For those of us listening to the show who are, are excited about wine, we've talked about this before, try to catalog the wines that you're drinking so you have a better understanding of what I'm enjoying, what are the notes that I really like, and who is bringing that wine in. And you can find so much information by being sort of a wine detective and just sleuthing those things out on the label oftentimes of the wines. Yeah, you learn that person's palate. You learn what they're about and you're like, hmm, nine times out of 10, I like what that person brings over. I'm, I'm going to check them out. Speaking of checking stuff out, you and I checked out the Czech Republic, I want to say 17 years ago. 2003. Yeah, you and I went to Czech Republic. We were traveling. We spent some time in Russia in grad school, which is a whole other story we'll get into at another time. But we spent basically the one of the first years that we were ever together. And uh, we traveled the summer in Europe. And we went to Czech Republic because my good friend, college friend, but also post-college roommate, John Thomas, was playing baseball and teaching English in the Czech Republic in a town called Loni. And we had to get from Frankfurt to the Czech Republic. So you and I drove the Audubon. Not you and I. I drove. Correct. Because there was it was a... It was a manual, and I don't. Maybe I don't drive. Maybe uh, I got a stick it. shift. I got it. <laughs> so what? What happened was I did the most important job of navigating, and you just drove. Like it wasn't that big a deal. Navigating or sleeping. Maybe I was sleeping, and then we drove basically to the Czech Republic, ditched our car, went to Prague, and then went to took a train to Loni. So many times you think of Czech Republic, you think of the beers. The beers are king in the Czech Republic. So it's interesting to talk about wine from the Czech Republic. Have you heard of wines from the Czech Republic before? Have you tasted wines? What's this wine like in your limited experience of Czech Republic wines? Well, I have not tasted that many, but I will say they're probably more white wines in the market and i do know quite a bit of wines from austria that are from very close to the czech republic as well mostly white wines again so for me it's kind of exciting to try a red and that's what's surprising and fun about this tonight and i do think of it in comparison to like northern austria it's continental like the climate um there's a like variety of soils but i think of like fresh minerally whites so this is fun and different not what i expected i'm not sure what i expected we also have the white at esters or or a white we do i can't wait to try it yeah so that's exciting (laughs) you guys i have to get new wines every week at esters i know i've said this before but otherwise it's just it's boring i love new stuff (laughs) that's 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 your thing your thing (laughs) is like burgundy and also just finding whatever what else is new and cool what is new what is fun but on the topic of tonight, and then we'll circle back to at the end about the wine pairing ideas and things like that for this wine, but can you give the listeners some thoughts on trying or looking out for wines that are in these new frontiers, wines that aren't from this, the major old world places of France, Italy, Spain? How can people go out there and think about wines from regions such as Lebanon and Israel and Czech Republic and other places and try those wines with confidence? Well, one thing I think is exciting is in the last 10 years, which is about how long I've been in my position buying wine. I've been buying wine for 10 years. The kinds of wines that are available from regions a little bit off the beaten path is unreal how it's exploded in the best possible way. I mean, when I started out, I remember tasting wines from Slovenia and some wines from Greece and even wines from Georgia. And there were good wines, but I would say 
most of the wines that I would taste from different places, I'm talking not classic regions like Italy, Spain, France, Australia, etc. Most of the wines would just kind of have this international style. And what I mean by that is that it felt like people were making wines for a quote unquote American palate and not making wines for themselves or making wines just to enjoy. Or when I hear you say that, I think of something you always talk about, which is the wines don't feel specific to the place from which they're made. Exactly. If you were tasting it blind, you wouldn't have any clue it was from from Greece. I distinctly remember a tasting of a portfolio of wines from Greece where like I was like these could be from anywhere in the world. They don't taste like they're from this place. And I don't even know what that place is, but they don't taste like they're from a place. They just taste covered up by a lot of stuff. And I think part of that had to do with how big a company had to be in order to export their wine and the risks someone had to take to import that wine. And now there's just so many more importers, so many small importers and so many small wineries that are now able to export that these importers are coming and picking out and, and bringing over. The amount of Georgian wine here is growing every month. It's so cool what's available. I remember tasting Moroccan wine. I remember tasting Moroccan wine about eight years ago with Didier of Nomadic Distribution and being like, huh, okay, these are the wines from Morocco. I don't really get this sense of this, what's happening here. Now I have those wines in the shop. We have wines at Birdie G's from Morocco. We have wines from Morocco at many locations and they're different wines, exciting wines. Wines from producers that are doing cool things like Domaine de Val d'Argonne that's farming. They don't plow by horse, they plow by camel. Um, and it's a Frenchman that runs it. But but he and La Ferme Rouge, which Rouge, which has been there for a long time. It's on the coast. It's a it was a little farm with olive groves and a vines and a whole working farm. But then they got a new winemaker more recently, and the wines became better, and now they're exported. So stories like that, it's like it feels like a discovery. You know, and it's some of these small working with their land, not making wine with a bank for big money. Well, I don't know. Big money and wine. I don't really go together. I don't think. In Napa that does. Yeah. So, well, certain places. But anyway, it's just the kind of wines that are available is so much different. So, yes, wines from Morocco. I tasted a wine from Lebanon last week, Domaine de Ball, which we had by the glass at Esther's. The last vintage we had by the glass at Esther's. It was a Syrah Merlot blend from Becca Valley in Lebanon. So cool to have this wine. It's from an organic vineyard. Like, and it's delicious. Wines from Greece. We have a wine from Greece by the last right now, a Zeno Mavro from Macedonia. There are wines that I haven't tried that I'm excited about. I've never had a wine from India. I've never had a wine from China. I have never had a wine from Japan. And apparently in the Yamanashi region, there are like 80 wineries and there's different grapes like this grape called Koshu. I've never heard of. It's supposed to be like Pinot Grigio. There's just so many things I'm excited to try. At one point, we did have a wine from the West Bank at Esther's, a white 
wine that was a blend coming from this monastery. To me, those kind of wines are just an adventure. And I think if you're curious about getting into wines, wines from the fringes or wines off the beaten path, then the first step is put your traveling pants on, get ready to go somewhere, be adventurous, don't try to put it in a box, just be ready for wherever it takes you. A. B, that kind of goes along with that, don't be tied to a grape varietal. Sometimes if you're tied to a grape varietal, you don't get to experience what is local or special or different about that place. And I mean that in two senses. One, if it's a grape varietal you haven't heard of, go for it. And also, it could be a grape varietal you have heard of, like Merlot, and happens to grow well there. Don't judge them. They could still show something special about that place. They could still be unique in that region. Show what that place can do, what that place can grow. So don't judge it by the grape variety either way. And then if you're asking for something in a shop, if you are in a really good wine shop where there are actually some choices in the matter, ask for something that is the most typical of the region, not for something that's international in style. So often that might mean something from a smaller producer and maybe a local grape variety that you haven't heard of. Not always, but often. Well, the way I describe that, I think this is attributed to you. I have two sort of wine phrases that I always attribute to you. One is you find wine when it's really done well. It's called a postcard from a place. That's it. That's what you think about wine. It's a way to represent that area, the terroir, the soil, all all the things that kind of come from that area. It's been shipped across the world over to you, and you're like, oh, I get a small glimpse of what that life is like. Postcard from a place. That's what I think about you. Number two is when you go to a wine store of repute, someone that you trust, and hopefully all all the listeners out there are working on finding places that they can trust to buy wine. Very important. It is. Seriously, building that relationship is building your relationship with wine. And so when you go to these places, whether it be here or or anywhere is go in and ask them about the wine from the most unusual place where they would get a wine maybe the least cool label and try that wine that wine must be delicious yeah that's one of my secrets if i'm in a wine store and there's not like someone to jam and talk with me about wine there you know it happens to be just i don't know somebody working their shift i will look for the ugliest bottle from the most unknown place because somebody probably bought that with passion they didn't buy it because it was cute they didn't buy it because it would sell they bought it for a reason. So that's my tip to you. No offense to the cute bottles. I am a huge fan. We're drinking one tonight. Love them. I'm just saying if you're in uncharted territories and you need something, that's what I do. My question to you is why do you think we've seen this boom in the last 10 years or so of good wine in these what I, what I call new frontier places. I'll even include places like Virginia. You know, you and I had a wine on here from Virginia, which is the U.S. You kind of think of the West Coast cornering the market on wines. So do you have any guesses on to why we're seeing these wines from places like Virginia or Lebanon or Czech Republic? Maybe wine has always been from there. So is it just the practices of wine getting better or the importing distribution of wines getting better? Just quick there thought have on always been wines from there. Distribution 
availability is getting way better. That's what's cool and booming about this market. The possibility in which the tariffs might shut down, but that's another conversation. But the possibility for small importers to have a job, to make these wines accessible, that's huge. And also for small winemakers to have feedback from a small importer. An importer to say, look, your wine is so good. If you did this, this, and this, I would buy all of it. And that's not just telling them how to make wine, but it might be making a different label. It might be not aging in new oak. It might be just little bits of tidbits from the market. There's more communication. There's people from the market informing a small winemaker, here's what's happening, here's what's alive. And also the conversation's just bigger in wine. There's more people talking than ever about different things because of podcasts and social media and people connecting across different countries and languages. It's the world of wine is very exciting now. I hear that. What I'm hearing is I think you hit the nail on the head which is this sort of this is communication between the winemaker and the wine drinkers and the wine buyers or I'm only going to buy these two of your six wines because this is what this is really I know this will sell sell and show and and that isn't that great to like have feedback it's not like an importer is telling a winemaker what to do I mean I guess in some senses but also there's also amazing small winemakers out there that importers are just now able to finally import because people will buy them and no one's snatched them up yet you know they're too small for some big guy and so it's just perfect yeah so the moral of the story here is you know we're starting to see a lot more of these wines from what i call new frontiers and have confidence take some swings if you trust the wine store or the restaurant where that you attend that like these people have good taste we get along we communicate well take some shots and that's the whole thing that Catherine's talking about is don't be beholden to a varietal and take some swings on something fun you might love it i am for the first time this week have a meaning to taste a wine from jordan super excited about that so to circle back to this wine tonight which i think is continuing to open up and become even more delicious as we talk about it. Again, the first one that we've ever tasted on the podcast for the first time. And it's been a lot of fun to do that. Thoughts on pairings for the one? Immediately, I'm just picturing everything on a grill. Like grilled sausages, grilled peppers. I was thinking about even just fajitas. Just something like with a lot of heat. As we were driving downtown last night we saw like a lot of street vendors like out there they had like tacos little taco stands on the street i was like i'm thinking this wine would be so amazing with that just going down and having carne asada tacos so good with this because it's like fresh and fruity it doesn't want like something so serious but you could totally go something pretty meaty with this because there is a meaty undertone to this wine as bright and fresh as it is yeah i agree that sounds great and then as far as helping people find a wine similar to this at their local wine purveyor throughout the country whether it be on the coast or in the middle of america thoughts on or even international you know shout out to our australian listeners and italian listeners ways to help people find a wine that's similar to this what what would you say well two things one it's a chilled red so asking for a lighter red that could have a little chill on it is one thing the other thing is going in and asking do you have a wine from somewhere off the beaten path 
what is it? Let me give it a try. I love that. As a matter of fact, if you are out here in the next couple of weeks and you're buying some wine from a place that you feel like is out of your comfort zone, whether it be Jordan or Lebanon or Israel or Czech Republic or Slovenia, Slovakia, Finger Lakes of New York, Virginia. Japan. Japan. India. Yeah. China. Tasmania. Tasmania. Well, Macedonia. You know, shout out to Maniacal Mitch from Australia. who sent good wines from Tasmania. I'm so glad you brought this up because on Twitter, shout out to Mitch, sent me a photo on our Twitter at TLFpod or at the long finish on Instagram. He sent us a Pinot Noir. A picture of his, the Pinot Noir he was drinking from Tasmania. Right on. So yes, please continue to send us some photos that says, hey, we're trying something new tonight. We're doing something a little different. Send us any photos of bottles of wines that you're drinking. We'd love to see uh, you guys get adventurous or just enjoying yourselves on a weekday, weekend night. Okay, let's get to the last portion of the evening, which is what has been inspiring us this week. Catherine, do you want to go first? Sure. Inspired me this week is I took Bo to a zero waste fair put on by Surfrider organization in Los Angeles last week. Surfrider organization does a lot of great stuff about cleaning up the beach and they're focused on what we can do better for the oceans. They also have sort of like a little certification for restaurants to be more eco-friendly and we did that at Esther's and got certified. They're a great, I believe national, but certainly East Coast and West Coast organization working on the health of our planet. And they have this great little fair learning about different products and people who are working towards less waste. And I brought Bo with me, which was really fun. He's like, where are we going? I'm like, we're going to this place to talk about Earth. Oh, where's that? Well, we live there. Oh, is my school there? Yes. So we get there and we go up to this table that's about compost. And we compost in our home. And she says, hello, you know, do you know, do you know what this is? And he says, yes, we are making the earth good. She said, yes, that's good. What about composting? Yeah, I put my food in there. It's like, <laughs> I'm so proud of you, my kid. Anyway, it was really cute to think like, I'm bringing my son into this starting so early and I have all the faith and hope that he's going to be the one part of this change in the world. That's great. And for me, I want to shout out because I was so inspired by the play that we went and saw last night at the Mark Taper Forum down in downtown Los Angeles. The play is called What the Constitution Means to Me, written by Heidi Schreck. Heidi is a writer and actor in New York City. And she performed in this play when it was on Broadway. Uh, out here in L.A., it's performed by another off-Broadway theater darling named Maria Dizia. And the play was fantastic. Catherine and I, and I went last Ridiculous. night. Ridiculous. So good. incredible time. If you happen to see this show, I think it's touring next in Chicago. And then it'll probably splinter off into some more regional theaters. If you have a chance to see this show, it is so timely, so important, so thoughtful, so fun and unique. It's a basically, it's not quite a one-person play. It's another another actor in there. And and they bring on a young debater to kind of incorporate this sort of live action quality where they do a debate of the Constitution at the end of the show. But just really a necessary discussion on what the Constitution means to this to this writer and also how they kind of resonates to all, through all of our lives. And I thought it was just an amazing amazing production and i know it was uh tony nominated last year in new york and and it's migrating around the country and if you have a chance to see it in your town you should definitely do it it's an awesome production and it's called what the constitution means to me by heidi shrek 
Okay, that's it. Episode 22 is in the books. We've done it. Thank you to everyone for continuing to listen to The Long Finish. If you want to write, review, or subscribe to the show, we'd love to hear from you. It means a lot to us. And there's the baby. There. we got to wrap it up. Uh, we got to wrap it up. Uh, Catherine, where can they find you and The Long Finish on social media? You can find me at Catherine Wild Coker on Instagram and Catherine Wild Coker on Facebook. And you can find The Long Finish at The Long Finish on Instagram and The Long Finish on Facebook. You can find me at Tug Coker on both Instagram and Twitter. Again, we really appreciate everyone listening to the show. We have some great episodes coming up. Uh, I hear there's a Chardonnay episode coming up. We have the interview that's going to be coming up once I finish editing that. Lots more in store. Should be a great spring. So stay tuned for all of that. Thank you so much for listening and happy drinking. Ciao.